0: what's up guys welcome to the jesus News podcast i'm derek got larry here with me this week we continue our discussion about in the name with the napastolite's favorite subject baptism before that we'll be back in about 60 seconds
1: Name News Podcast. This week we continue our series talking about life in the name of Christ. Last week we discussed how in his name we have no condemnation and that our key to entering back into the relationship that we were created to have is repentance. This week we're going to take it a step further. We're going to take a look at what God commanded us to do for the sake of our cleansing, for the sake of our purification, and that thing is baptism. Baptism is an essential component of our Christian walk. And in this episode of our podcast, we're going to look at baptism from the very beginning of the Bible all the way through to the end. And we're going to look and prove four things. One, we're going to prove that baptism is essential. Two, we're going to show that baptism is for purification. Three, we're going to show that baptism via immersion is the proper way to baptize people. And four, we're going to show that the proper form of baptism is baptizing in the name of Jesus, specifically.
0: But, but to be up front, a lot of what we're going to talk about is from an essay that Larry wrote about moral and spiritual purity. Uh, now, granted, he told me he didn't completely author it. It's a collection, but we will make sure that there's plenty of of links out there for you guys to see.
1: Yeah, yeah, I wrote a couple of essays for this book. This is one of them, and so I'm very excited about it. It should be coming out shortly. It possibly could be out before this is published. Either way, as soon as it is out, we will definitely make sure that there are links for all of you to get. So, Baptism. Typically, when we talk about baptism, we introduce baptism by talking about John the Baptist, Baptist, right? He appears in the wilderness. He preaches of repentance. And he tells the people to be baptized. And they have what's known later on as John's baptism or the baptism of John, right? We see that in Acts 19. We see that in the Gospels, and when I when I look at this, I always have a I always had this weird nagging question. Right? People hear John speak, and he tells them to be baptized, and they're just like, "Sure," and jump right in the water. Why? How? Like, when we preach baptism in the modern world, we're preaching of a two thousand year old Christian ritual, right? And then we have all these explanations for, like, what this ritual means and stuff. And we explain it to people. But we're not just like, repent! Here, let me dunk you. There's way more to it. But yet John doesn't really explain anymore. He just says, repent, and they get baptized. And, I mean, maybe it's just narrative, and the Bible doesn't really do a lot of narrative, and that's why. However, maybe there's more. Maybe the people understood what John was talking about when he told them to repent, and he told them to then be baptized and to wash, and there was a specific meaning to that. And so I decided to look into it, and I found something very interesting. But to understand what that is, we have to understand what it means to be unclean, okay? Unclean is a very important thing in Jewish culture. It's a very important thing in the Old Testament. Avoiding being unclean and making oneself clean were probably the most important aspect of ancient Jewish life. Okay. The Old Testament talks about many things that makes a person unclean. You know, it talks about things such as there's some skin diseases that make you unclean when you have it. Leprosy is a very well-known one. Okay. Coming into contact with dead things makes you unclean. Childbirth, menstruation, sexual contact of any sort, or even coming into contact with a person who is unclean makes you unclean. Or beyond that, if you touch an object that an unclean person touched that has not been purified, you then become unclean by touching the object that the person who was unclean touched. And it's like there's this, there's all these things about being unclean, and the the thing is is that when you were unclean, you were to be separated from the community for the duration of your unclean status until you were purified. In in many instances, there was a period of time that one had to follow before they would even be eligible to be cleansed of their uncleanness. But when but that varies. So let's take a look at some examples of. Specific examples of being unclean. Because it's important to understand that, A, this is Bible. This is something that the Bible actually goes into multiple times and explains very clearly. So we're going to read some from Numbers chapter 19. First, we're going to read verse 11 and then verse 13 through 15. Read
0: that Whoever forester. touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean seven days. Whoever touches a dead person, the body of anyone who has died and does not cleanse himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from Israel because the water for impurity was not thrown on him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness is still on him. This is the law. When someone dies in a tent, everyone who comes into the tent and everyone who is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel that has no cover fastened on it is unclean.
1: Yeah, so let's then read Numbers 19, 22. And whatever
0: the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and anyone who touches it shall be unclean until evening.
1: Yeah. And so we're looking at this, and there's all these passages in here. And the thing is, is anyone who touches the thing is unclean. Anyone who is does these things is unclean. Anyone who touches something that they touch is unclean. And there's all these examples and anyone who is not clean is not allowed to be in the tabernacle. He's not allowed to be in the temple. It's not allowed to be in the presence of God. The most powerful example of this. Okay. That we can find. Is a new Testament story that we've talked about often. Okay. The woman with the issue of blood. You see, we talk about this in that, like, she was she was suffering from this illness and that was her issue that was her problem that was what she struggled with right but that's not really what she struggled with the illness wasn't wasn't great i'm sure but i mean there's some scholars who think it was just something like hemorrhoids which i'm sure was uncomfortable but it it's not life threatening it's not worse but however what would have happened from any of the various illnesses that could have possibly been what she had is that she would have been ritualistically unclean okay so she would have been unclean for 12 years she would not have been allowed in the temple or the synagogue because she would have been unclean and the thing is is as long as she was still bleeding as long as this affliction was still active she could not be cleaned. Okay? And so, she would have been separated from culture, from society, from everybody, but it goes further than that. Okay? If this woman was married, any time her husband touched her, he would have been declared unclean. If she made a cup of water for her child and gave her child that cup, her child would have been declared unclean. If if she touched a chair in her home and somebody else sat on that chair, they would be unclean. Okay? The end result is that this person would be isolated in a way that restricted anybody else from having to do anything with her. They would have been been encouraged to not be in her presence, to not enter a room that she had been in, to not speak to her, to not be anywhere near her. Because she couldn't be cleansed. And every time anybody came into contact with her, there would literally be a waiting period and then a cleansing ritual, which we will get to, that would have needed to be done. And when she was healed, Jesus told her to go and do that cleansing ritual before she could then enter society again. She still, after being healed, had to go to the priests and be cleansed, even though she was healed. Okay? So what is that? Right? How how did the people become clean? How did she get clean? She was healed. Well, the answer to that is in the ritual cleansing done in the mikvah. The mikvah is defined by Encyclopedia Britannica as a pool of natural water in which one bathes for the restoration of ritual purity. Okay? It was a vital thing for the Jews to have. Um, it said that the Jews could sell their synagogue in order to build and maintain a mikvah in the, in the communities in Babylon. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's how important the mikvah was. It was more important to have a functioning mikvah than it was to have a synagogue to worship it. Okay. Now the, the ritual cleansing is also can be referred to as a mikvah as the pool is also referred to. And these are done always through immersion. It's literally a ritual bath. You have to go fully under the water. Okay. They're done in naturally flowing water or in most modern places. And even in the time of Jesus, more than likely, they are primarily done in pools that are constructed. Now, in the modern world, there's this special thing that they do that makes it technically qualify as natural water in which they have like basins that will collect rainwater. And they will mix a certain amount of rainwater in with the water in the mikvah so that it counts as natural water. Like the, some of the extra writings that there are in Judaism are kind of crazy in their specificness of how some of these things work.
0: Yeah. Like
1: they got really, really specific. Like it needs to have this much of a percent of natural water or it doesn't count. And I don't know why necessarily, but these are all rules that they had and rules that were come up with over time.
0: I love how man just takes all these things that God puts in place and they're
1: like, oh, let's find a way around that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of it was like, oh, well, we made a pool that's not really natural. How do we make it natural? Ooh, I know. Let's say that as long as we have such and such percentage of natural water that the whole water is declared natural. It's like, oh, okay, but I I think we're missing the point of this. And so John, right, John comes on the scene. He tells these people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they gather and they're baptized by John, meaning they're immersed in the river by John or one of his disciples in the name of John. Okay, Under the direction of John. Well. These Jews. They would have already been doing ritual cleansings. By immersion in water. They literally have to do a ritual cleansing. Before they go to synagogue. Every week. Every woman in their culture. Has to have a ritual cleansing done. Every month. Okay. Like. When they have. When there's a child born. Anyone who comes into contact with the childbirth process or the child immediately after being born or the woman before she's ritually cleansed after giving birth has to go through ritual cleansing. Okay. There's so many things that required this. These people were doing these ritual cleansings consistently, and they knew that when a holy day was coming, when something was coming that they needed to be cleansed for, they needed to do this. So when John told them that you need to repent, They knew that along with repentance came the ritual cleansing that cleansed them of the things they were repenting of so that they were made ritually pure. This was normal. The kingdom of heaven being at hand was a holy day. So they needed to do a mikvah.
0: Well, I mean, and... You think about what, what happened after Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove, uh, the God speaks from heaven uh, and tells John, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus goes into a desert or well, the wilderness, technically not really a desert uh and is tempted by satan for 40 or you know he fasts for 40 days then he's tempted by satan and then you know he's he's somehow just better at the end of it and because he's god i guess (laughs) but i mean you think about everything that happened immediately following that it's like okay now that makes more sense (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, and not only that, it also explains why Jesus was baptized anyway. Because yeah. there's all this argument and discussion, like why did Jesus even need to get baptized, and we always hand wave it at. Well, he just did it because that's what you do.
0: He did it to well, fulfill a to fulfill a requirement. Well, yeah, technically, yeah, but this is what they
1: Jesus would have done this multiple
0: times. Yeah, Jesus,
1: Jesus would have done a mikvah every time he went to Sabbath if. If Jesus scraped his knee and bled, I believe he would have to have cl- be cleaned. Like he would have yeah. to go through a ritual cleansing. It's not about sin. It's not about bad even.
0: Truly really hygiene. Is,
1: it has not, it, and yeah, but it's not about actually cleaning. Like your your physical cleaning with soap is separate from your rit- ritual cleaning.
0: I understand that, but yeah. l- let's be real yeah. about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but part of it's probably hygiene. But like, the thing is, is that like, I'm not it 100% is not saying that Jesus was ever like unclean as in bad, because that's not what unclean meant.
0: Jesus says a human would have dealt with the very same things that we deal with as humans. And yes. at some point the God in him, like you can but the God in him was always clean in the sense of never sinning. The human, however, was
1: human Like on some level, it almost be like to not need a mikvah would almost be like saying he never got dirty. Like his body was immune from dust.
0: And I mean, what? again, we say that Jesus did this for an example, right? Sure. But what kind of example are you setting if you say that you have never broken a law? And you say that you're the fulfillment of the law, but you don't do a mikvah? Yeah. Because it's well, and, and that's not to law. say
1: Jesus broke the laws in sinning. It's just saying that in order
0: for Jesus to be able to be the fulfillment of the law, he would have had to follow this law at some point.
1: Yes, yeah, and that's the other thing is that you also do mikvahs when you enter into ministry. You do mikvahs before you minister, mm-hmm. like these they they. They have to happen for those things. And so Jesus does this for all of these reasons. And and I get we can get into ridiculous what ifs all day. We could, but that's really not that interesting. And so we won't. But the thing, the point is, is that I want to make clear. The main thing here is that unclean does not mean sinful. It does not mean bad. It's just, it's just a step of purification that happens.
0: It's ritual ritual impurity and humanity.
1: Yeah. And so the thing is, is that we can look and we can see all of these things. Okay. We can see all of these places that this is a thing that is for purity, that is for sanctification. Um, specifically, we can look in John. Chapter 3, verse 25 and 26. We're going to read this. Jesus and his disciples prior to this, in verse 22 specifically, are baptizing. This would be Jesus' baptism that's done by Jesus and his disciples who are acting in Jesus' place, baptizing the crowds. Okay? This was also a normal thing at this time. John was doing it as well. The baptism John did was not known as John's baptism or the disciple of John's baptism who baptized you. It didn't matter if John baptized you or one of his followers baptized you, whether that be on the day of John or it be a week before the events of Acts 19. It was still always John's baptism. Okay. That's going to become important. But here we see in John 3, Jesus and his disciples are baptizing in Jesus's baptism. And... Somebody comes up to John who's nearby also baptizing and this discussion happens. So if you can read John 3, 25 and 26 Derek.
0: Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Can I just say it's funny how this person is trying to turn John against Jesus.
1: Yeah, he's trying to turn John against Jesus, but also. John, the person writing this, John, is using purification and baptism synonymously. You know, something, just,
0: something that I just, just kind of hit me when God. God asked people in the Old Testament to build an altar. Most of the time he asked them to do it without cut stone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, you know, we I, I think of the garden, how everything was pure. Everything was how it was supposed to be, right? Yeah. Every time God created something, he, said, he saw it was good. And, you know, the evening and the morning were the first or second or whatever day everything was good and then sin enters and now humanity is out of that supernatural state that we were created in but the earth apparently was still apparently good to god and didn't need to be modified man was needing modified And that's just, that's something that just is like, wow, to me, because this is all about modification to be able to stand in the presence of God. Being, you know, being purified to stand in the presence of God, because when we're cutting stones, we want them to look good, right? We want them to look like if God wanted an altar, why didn't he ask him to cut some stones and, you know, stack them up neatly, create some pillars, all that Why not do that? That looks good. But when God created it, he said it was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's returning to that original state, to that pure state. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's be real. Dipping in water, it's not changing you. But they absolutely taught in the Old Testament, in the time of John, in the time past that, that this this thing, this thing that they did when they put these people in water was purifying them it was seen and known as purification okay and the thing is is that it doesn't just stop there it's not just about it being about purification in the old testament cleaning from ritual uncleanness. it doesn't just stop with the disciples of john and john himself and and john the writer of the gospel of john using purification and baptism synonymously, we can look forward in the New Testament. And we see seen num- a number of examples of this. Um, the first one is First Peter 3, 20 and 21.
0: Because they formally did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, we're seeing purification of not the earth, of man, through
1: water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, remember, baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt, which is clearly saying, A, It cleanses and purifies and B, it saves. How? By an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. Like Peter is explicitly saying that baptism is required, is for salvation, cleanses, and only does this through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, while saying that it's about going through the water. Like, He's clearly telling us all of these things, and he's not the only one. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He's talking about baptism. That's where these things happen. Okay, uh, Titus 3, 5, if you want to read that, Derek.
0: He saved us not because of works done done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit.
1: He saved us not because of our works, but by His mercy by the washing of regeneration. The washing of regeneration is explicitly baptism. It's explicitly that ritual of purification. That has been done since the time of Moses. Baptism is a purification ritual directly brought into the Old Testament. From the Old Testament into the New Testament. Okay? It is the exact same ritual that was given by Moses in the law. Brought forward into time. And done in the name of Jesus by the power of what he was going to and did do. John brought it forward. Jesus continued it, and his disciples continued to do it in his name, in his place, just as they did when they stood right next to Jesus and baptized people into Jesus' baptism. Okay? John's followers in Acts chapter 19, when Paul comes to them, he goes, by what were you baptized? And they go, by John's baptism. Yeah. That's what we've been doing all this time, all these decades, We've been doing John's baptism. John had been dead all that time, and they were still doing his baptism.
0: And you think about it, the Ethiopian eunuch, when Philip is translated out to meet him and is walking with him or, you know, beside his chariot or whatever, or I guess he called him up into his chariot. He gets the Holy Ghost, and then he looks over, there's a pool of water and he says there's water what's hindering me from being baptized right here like it's it's literally a natural pool of water along a road that he's saying i can be baptized in like and i know that's not the requirement today but to an ethiopian eunuch who is at best curious about this christianity but is also Seemingly a devout Jew. This is the other thing
1: that eunuch was a Jew. Yeah. Because he was sitting in that chariot reading the prophets. Yep. And then Philip tells him and explains the prophets to him, and he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And he looks and he says, What stops me from being baptized? But here's the thing. We already know from John chapter three that the Jews interchanged baptism, which is an English word that's become a ritual based on the word that they used for immersion. But really, it just means immersion. It doesn't mean like it wasn't it wasn't used as a ceremony when John when Peter said be baptized in the name of Jesus when John told them to be baptized unto repentance. When they did the baptism of Jesus, it was just immersion. It was just a ritual purification in Jesus's name. And it, wasn't, and a... it wasn't a Christian ceremony like what we've made it over history. It was just your being washed. It was the washing in the name of Jesus, the washing in the name of John, the washing over all of these things. And, and, and that doesn't really change what it means, but it tells us that we can't just think of it as this this ritual that's disconnected from all these other things, because it literally is those other things. So to understand what baptism is, we have to understand what the ritual washing of ritual uncleanness in the Old Testament was.
0: It goes back to, we are weaving this giant web between the Old Testament and New Testament. And we're constantly, and growing up, like I don't know that, Like I'm sure there was people who taught about mikvah, but how many times did I hear about it and do I remember it? None. I don't either. And you know that that's the thing. Like this is, it's not as well known mikvah. Maybe not. I mean, it probably is now, but back then maybe it wasn't as well known. And whatever, but. This is literally one of the hugest connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament, in my opinion, because it's linked directly to the plan of salvation. I mean, we're going to talk about Holy Ghost, you know, and living in the Holy Ghost, living in the spirit. And that's Mm. that's great. And that and that's the one that we focus on so much because that is important, but how many denominations out there just kind of gloss over baptism?
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing is we said that we had four four goals in here that baptism was essential, that it's done by immersion, that it's done in Jesus' name, and that it's for purification, it's for remission. You know, Peter said in Acts two thirty eight, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness or the remission in the King James of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost." Okay. The thing is, is that when you connect baptism back to the Old Testament rituals of spiritual purification of uncleanness, it makes it clear and obvious exactly what it is and why it should be done in Jesus' name and why it needs to be done via immersion and why it is something that must be done in the life of a Christian. Because the thing is, is that the uncleanness in the Old Testament It didn't go away just because it wasn't applied anymore. You know, if you touched a dead body, you didn't just suddenly become clean after a few days. No, you would have to wait for that period of time to end. And then you would have to go do the ritual cleaning. You'd have to go dip yourself in the waters of purification.
0: Correct. Baptism
1: is where we are cleansed from the impurities of sins that allow us to enter into the presence of God. Without baptism, we might be dead to our sins and we might be free from our sins, but that uncleanness is still upon us. Yeah. And if we're not allowed into the temple with that uncleanness of, upon us, how can we think that we're allowed into heaven with that uncleanness? For sure. You know, and, and, and that's why it's so important. That's why we need to know this. That's why we need to do this. So, so let me challenge you. If you're hearing this and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, find somebody that will do it. Let us know. We'll find you somebody. Okay? Okay. And get baptized in his name via immersion. It is essential, not just because it's a command. It's not that simple because I can remember many times that I've talked to people about this and I've said baptism in Jesus' name is essential just because it's commanded of us. What else do we need? And while that might be true, understanding what it really is about tells us exactly why it is essential, why it's needed. It's needed because of what this is. Baptism is what washes away the impurities of the things that we've done and brought upon us. It's it's literally
0: taking what was once physical and turning it spiritual. Yes. It's taking all those physical impurities because... Once Jesus fulfilled the law, that was that was, you know, done. Every, pretty much everything went from and Paul said this, everything went from a physical realm to a spiritual realm. You know, we're I'm tired of splitting hairs over this because I think I said it in the last episode. This is of no private interpretation. It's laid plain yeah. before us. This this is simple. Yeah. The more I study, the m- more simple this gets. Uh, we've made it so complex, and let's be honest, it is not complex. The Bible says, be baptized in the name of Jesus. What else do you need? What else do you need to, and I mean, maybe I'm sounding a little bit bold here, but, you know, people are going to look at Matthew 28 and 19 and say well i'd rather listen to the words of jesus well you know what i'd also listen to the guy that he gave the keys to the kingdom to
1: yeah that, jesus still would have been talking about the spiritual cleansing
0: <laughs> i mean it, like, still. like
1: seriously like understanding what jesus would have said matthew 28 19 directly points the only way that matthew 28 19 possibly could mean to go baptize people and say in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost is If Jesus was explicitly talking about a Christian ritual that isn't connected to the Old Testament cleansings, that's the only way that that interpretation makes sense, is if you completely ignore all the connections to what baptism is, you know? And I think that's the thing that's always blown me away, is that we waste so much time trying to argue things that, well, they're important, yeah, it's like, like, Let's just tell people why. Let's tell them why. Let's tell them what it meant. Let's tell them what baptism connected to. Because if you tell a Jew that if you just sprinkle a couple drops of water on your head that you're ritualistically clean, they're going to laugh at you.
0: Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense.
1: Because it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't follow what the law said. And while we're not under the law, that doesn't mean that we can just completely ignore
0: it. Exactly. Either. And and you know, we're again, we're we're not splitting cares and we're not gonna argue about what baptism is. And I mean, let's be honest, there's a whole Catholic encyclopedia out there that says they changed it. And that's factual. <laughs> and otherwise Again, I know that we're being pretty bold with this, and I know that some people are probably gonna walk away from our podcast, and that's fine. I don't be honest with you, if they hear us and we have scripture to back us up, as long as we're not saying it to hurt them, and we're not saying it in a way that will that is meant to kill their spiritual their spiritual walk with God, I'm not gonna I'm say okay. You know, we gave you scripture that—that that is what it is. Scripture declares over and over and over again, baptism is done in the name of Jesus, and there is no other way. We have—I'm going to take a line from Paul: we have no such practices about titles, about anything. the The Church of God doesn't have that. I'm sorry. You know that—that's just what it is.
1: Get you know, baptized. No- yeah,
0: and in week, we're going to talk about another baptism. Except this one not only should change, well, your spiritual life, it should change you entirely. So we'll see you guys next week.